Good morning. One of the things I enjoy most about being a priest is the opportunity to visit so many people at home. Uh, because usually on Sunday, I have very little time to talk to anyone, as there's often far too many things to get done and too many people to see. So usually the conversations are very brief and very quick. But at home visits, I get a chance to spend time with people and also to discuss some spiritual issues or maybe questions that anybody may have. So during one of those visits, I was very fortunate to have a fairly large group of young people with a lot of their friends to have gathered. And as you may have, uh, as you may assume, wherever there are young people, there are always a lot of very good questions. So I had one question after the other, and sometimes before I could even finish one answer, there was another question coming forward. I felt like I was a goalie in a slap shot competition with pucks flying all over the place of both questions and answers. But it was a great evening and a great conversation. And after they all left, the parents stayed behind, and the father was actually quite disappointed and upset, and he said, you know, the problem with young people today is that they have a lot of questions, but then at the end of the day, they stop believing in anything. And then he went on to say, all they need to do is believe and pray. Something very similar happened to me, actually, with a group of priests. A few years ago, I was giving a retreat in Arizona to around 35 priests. And the, the, the theme of the retreat was parish, parish structure, health, and organization. And at the end, a priest, probably around 85 years old, he was sitting on a wheelchair. He said to me, everything you said is really good, but all we need to do is pray. Of course, I don't disagree with that elderly priest, and I don't disagree with the father who says that the foundation of everything that we do is prayer. But prayer it actually is not enough. Prayer is only the start of everything. It is not the end. We gather every Sunday as a church to do what? To pray. But if we pray but have nothing practical or real coming out of our prayers, then, then there is something that we are falling short of. The church has always, from the time of the New Testament, actually from the time of Jesus, Jesus not only prayed, but he also had a very active ministry. And likewise, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, you see that the church did many other things than just pray. In fact, St. James, in his letter, he says, What does it profit, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is ill-clad and lack daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So faith is important. To see, to, it's important for us to see faith as something larger than just our daily prayer. But in fact, we need to always 
realize that the foundations of our faith is prayer. Uh, many have tried to summarize it, one of which is Matthew Kelly, who wrote this book, The Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic. If you don't have it, let me know. I have a few extra copies. Or if you prefer to purchase it online, go ahead. But in this book, Matthew Kelly says that there are four foundations of faith. Prayer, study, that is education, learning about your prayer. There is service, acts of service, working, to, working towards doing something with your prayer. But then also evangelization. If you pray and learn about your faith and act and do something practical, you also want to share your faith with others. A balance or a healthy balance between all four is really what our faith is about. And unfortunately, sometimes people ignore the other three, especially education. We feel that we've been baptized. That's good. It's good enough. We're good to go. And somehow, some people think we're, so, we're on some sort of conveyor belt to heaven. All we got to do is not kill anyone, stay out of jail, and we're going to make it. We'll be okay. There's something more. Education has been a foundational element of Catholic life from the beginning. In fact, uh, Pope John Paul II wrote an entire letter called Faith and Reason to remind everyone that faith without knowledge, without education, without using our brain to learn more about God is a little warps, warped. In this letter he says, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, in a word, to know himself, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. That is why from the early times, the church has not only prayed, the church has taught. And the church has focused on healing. I looked this up. It's actually, I knew the number was large, but the Catholic Church is the largest provider of health care and education in the entire world. But what are the specific numbers? Pretty amazing, actually. The Catholic Church has 139,000 Catholic schools around the world. There are approximately 7,500 Catholic schools in the United States. And the Catholic Church has approximately 1,358 institutions of higher learning, colleges, universities, and etc. And when it comes to health care, the Catholic Church is the largest provider of health care, larger than any government in the world. Around 18,000 clinics, 16,000 homes for the elderly and those with special needs, and over 5,500 hospitals, with 65% of them located in developing countries. The Catholic Church manages 26% of the world's health facilities. Why? Is it a hobby to start schools and healthcare facilities? No. It flows from the fact that when we gather to pray, hopefully God is telling us to actually do something. And number one after prayer is knowledge and learning about him and what better place than institutions. 
And then second is serving. What better way than serving those who are sick and serving those who are needy? Therefore, faith is not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not an emotion, although we should have a strong emotion of our connectedness to God. In his letter, to the, in the letter of the Hebrews, the author says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What that means is that we begin our relationship with Christ with a feeling, with a thought, with an idea, but we also need to know what that means, what it means to be a follower of Christ in very practical ways. And when we study the Bible, it's not a matter of just studying random verses here and there, but to see how all those verses fit together in our daily life and, um, and to have a meaning. So therefore, we, always, we are always trying to balance prayer, knowledge, service, and evangelization. Because faith without knowledge can actually go in many different directions. If I ask you, do you love Jesus? Everyone is going to say yes. Most likely, that's why you're here. We all love Jesus. But a very important question from the time that Jesus was still alive was, well, who is Jesus? Who exactly is Jesus? Ask that question to your friends. Who is Jesus? And you'll find, actually, many different answers. Many people believe in Jesus, even non Christians believe in Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus. Hindus believe in Jesus. Gandhi used to quote Jesus. He used to quote the Sermon on the Mount. But what Gandhi and what Muslims and what normal historians believe of Jesus is not what I believe of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the center of my life. I believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And the central belief of all of us as Catholic Christians is that God became flesh. God became one of, one of us. So Jesus is fully God and fully man. But in what way was, was Jesus fully God and fully man? This might seem a little too detailed, but actually this was one of the main discussions that the church had for the first 300 years. And it wasn't an academic discussion. It wasn't a theory. It was a very important one because if Jesus was a prophet, a good teacher, well, we've had many good teachers and we've had many prophets in the past. Why would Jesus be any different? And why would he be any more special? But Jesus, if we don't recognize that he's fully God, well, who can save humanity other than God himself? If a man died for humanity, that was not good to bring salvation and redemption to the world. So these nuances, which when we sit around and discuss and we say Jesus was a great guy, well, yes, but a whole lot more than that. And that's why today, and actually on several Sundays of the year, we commemorate or we celebrate meetings that took place in the early church. Today, it, we, we commemorate the, the first ecumenical council of Nicaea. This is actually a very important council in the history of the church. The word council refers to a gathering, a meeting. And as I mentioned yesterday, the word church means the gathering place. So we gather to pray. But the church also gathered to make important decisions in terms of the future. 
We read about this in the Acts of the Apostles, where in Jerusalem, Peter and Paul and the early disciples gathered to discuss whether um, new converts to Christianity would have to follow the Jewish law. That was the first council. But then for 300 years, Christianity was persecuted in the Roman Empire. And when Constantine stopped the persecution of Christi Christians, he realized that there were Christians all over the Roman Empire, and they had slightly different customs and ways of saying things in their creed. So he gathered them all in Nicaea and told them to discuss and to agree upon the most important point, which is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? So these debates and these discussions came up with what we know today of as the Nicene Creed. So we have been reciting this creed since the year 325. Over 1,700 years of reciting this creed um, everywhere around the world. And everyone who has been baptized has been reciting the creed. And the main point of the creed, as discussed and responding to the errors of who Jesus was pre-Nicaea, came up with a formula that Jesus is true God, God from God, light from, from light. He was begotten, not made. The reason all these nuances were important is that there were versions of understanding of Jesus that said that Jesus was a human person, but then at his baptism, the Holy Spirit was infused upon him, and he began to live a very godly life at that time. Others said that uh, Jesus as the man was created, but God would never fully dwelt in him. So the true teachings of Nicaea focus on the fact that, as we read in the Gospel of John, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. God became one of us. So Jesus was not created. They came up with a word that Jesus was begotten. He, there was a time when he became flesh and became physical, but Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, there has never been a time when he was not. He was always with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the Council of Nicaea further, um, further clarified our understanding of the Trinity and the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This might, as I said, sound minor, but our faith requires knowledge. Our faith requires education. Our faith requires a daily journey with God. Starting with prayer, write it down. Write down what you pray today, and you've got already that one on your list because you're here. But the second point on your list is write down what you learned about your faith today. And then third, write down how you served with what you know and what you prayed. And fourth, write down how you shared what you did, what you know, and what you prayed. These are the blueprints of a healthy and balanced Catholic life. In fact, they go throughout the whole Acts of the Apostles of the New Testament. And not only that, the final departing words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew were, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations. Disciples requires discipline, needs, requires a study, requires a curriculum, requires specific knowledge of things. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe all that I've commanded you and know that I am with you always, even to the end of age. These are the kind of questions we should be asking. We should never be afraid to ask those difficult questions of faith, but also we shouldn't um, run away from spending time and dedicating ourselves to actually finding the answers to our faith in Jesus Christ.